Welcome everybody to another edition of the No Mouthpiece Podcast. I am your host, Lewis, here with Roland. Say hi, Roland. Hey there. All right, everyone. So, we just came off basically two weeks of some insane fights on the UFC. And you guys know we love our UFC. Don't forget to listen to the episode where we rank our top five GOATs, MMA GOATs of all time. Uh, I think it was an awesome uh, podcast. We got some good feedback off of that, so make sure you check that one out. Uh, but right now, what we're going to talk about is basically the last couple of weeks, what we would like to see happen maybe over the next few months, considering uh, what's happened and what's coming up in the future too. Uh, so let's get right into it. How'd you enjoy the fights on the weekend of UFC 259? I thought it was a, a pretty good card previous to the to the main fights. I mean, some of the main fights were, were a little bit lackluster, a little disappointing. But, you know, it, that usually happens when, when you have a stat card like that and then the top uh, fights usually end up being disappointing, especially when it, it's hard to live up to, to those kind of expectations. But I thought overall the card was pretty good. Some fights ended a little bit sour, a little disappointing, but, you know, it's MMA. You can't really expect everything to go perfect the, the way you, you expect it to go. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. I feel like, the you know, I had three title fights, and um, while by no means were they bad, uh, you know, we had the, the Peter Yan... Versus Aljamain Sterling fight, and that ends in an illegal knee, mm-hmm. right? And so that, that kind of takes the wins out of his sails. Before that, it was actually mm-hmm. a pretty good fight. Yeah. It would have been nice to see if Aljamain maybe had a little bit more left in the tank going into that fifth round. And if Peter Young, because it looked like Peter Young was putting on that mm-hmm. pressure, and he was about to take him out. Uh, but if Aljamain was able to get some, some more uh, air in him and have more energy, he would have made it more exciting for the fifth round, but we'll never know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been uh, sad seeing Aljamain, you know, Hoisting the title and pretending like he's champ, even though he is technically, I think we'd all agree that we got to run it back and see who really wins that fight. And now he's trying to make a fight with Henry Cejudo, and honestly, he kind of looks like a little bit of a clown. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that, but he's looking a little silly out here. Um, yeah, I, I don't agree with him uh, posting all those pictures and all those videos of him with the title and stuff. But hey, man, that's Jan's fault. Jan's fault for for even like. Having to ask the corner, hey, is it all right for me to knee right now? Like, you should know. You see him, like, right there with his hand down, his knees are down on the ground. You know. You should know. Experience, you've defended the title a couple times. You've won the title. You should know when somebody is down. Like, you should know in the heat of the battle. I know sometimes the heat of the battle, but it's also part of the, the corner's fault for, for somebody in the corner saying, yeah, it's all right to knee him. Knee him now. Knee him now. It's also their fault. Like, you shouldn't be asking, hey, is it all right for me to knee? It's like, dude, the ref just said, don't knee him. He warned you, don't knee him, he's down. And then you knee him anyways. It's like, uh, it's your ear fault. It's it's a big mistake by him. But, yeah, I can understand why he's a little salty being like, hey, you're not the real champion. Like, you, I was beating your ass up up, up until that, that happened. So I think that's the difference. I think... Uh... Uh, Aljamain won the first round, and mm-hmm. then after that, he just gassed out. And, yeah, he put and too Peter much Yan, in that first round. Yeah, and, and Peter Yan took control, and I think he would have won easily um, going into that fifth round just because Aljamain didn't have that energy. Uh, but I think the disappointing part is, yeah, you're the champ, and it's Peter Yan's fault, and you're legit the champ because it was a disqualification, illegal knee. All that is correct. But I think at the same time, to to first of all, when he was in the cage, he threw the belt down like he didn't want it. He seemed disappointed by the result. And then 24 hours later, he's celebrating like he knocked Peter Yan out. And I think 
he can do that, and he has a right to do that, but it's just disappointing to see that. You know what I mean? I don't think uh, Jan deserved that much, and I don't think Aljamain should be that proud of that kind of a victory. Yeah, and also, I, I thought Aljamain had a good game plan, a good good uh, way of thinking, but he just, like, he was too excited in that first mm-hmm. round. He just put everything into that first round. The way the way he started, he felt like, maybe I, I could beat his ass. Like, I'm, I'm in control, like, right off the bat. Like, I could win this, just pushing the pace and just... But after a while, you, you get tired if you don't finish him in the first round after having that much control. And you're like, God, oh, Jesus, I didn't put him away. I didn't dominate him like, like I, I would. And he's still in front of me with the same energy. After a while, you know, you see him zap his energy and zap, he, he gets more tired and a little bit more sluggish. And then Jan's still the same pace and same same speed, same powers. Like, yeah. that that really kills your, your, your spirit and your energy. But, you know, Aljamain was still fighting back. He wasn't. I think the the real big problem was he was relying too much on spinning elbows and spinning uh, attacks like Aljamain. And that even requires when he a lot of gassed. energy. Yeah. yeah, even when he was gassed, he was still throwing spinning elbows, and yeah. that that would expose his back. It's like, dude, like you're expo- you're gassed and you're throwing spinning elbows when you haven't landed one, and the dude could literally grab your your back, take you down, especially how tired you are, and just take advantage of you. Like you can't be you can't do that. Like that's yeah. not efficient. And you know, and the, we all know those spinning kicks, those those spinning elbows, and all that stuff. While if you land, can really be powerful. Yeah, um, it takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. It does. It takes a lot of, of core energy to do that. The spin, do it effectively, right? So uh, unless you're one hundred percent sure that you're gonna connect with something, it's kind of a waste a little bit because the energy, especially if your energy is already sapped, mm-hmm. gonna it's gonna make it even worse. So and you see, John Jones do that, but he does it in like perfect timing. He does it throughout yeah. like every time yeah. that he thinks he can. Oh, now I'll do it. He, he, he knows he picks the perfect time to throw that spinning elbow, and it always yeah. lands. It usually lands. Yeah, he doesn't he do it out of desperation. Spot. Yeah. That's, that's what you don't he, want he, do. he does it out of setting it up and, and knowing the timing of, of somebody that's shooting in or, or somebody that's leaving their, their, their right hand down mm-hmm. a little bit exposed. Like They picked the perfect time, but Aljamain was just throwing it out there like it was just another punch. So I think we would agree they need to run it back, right? Yeah. Like I, I, I don't right. think anybody wants to see a Cejudo uh, Aljamain fight. I think. Nah. Uh, I think Cejudo smokes him up. Yeah, yeah I, but I just think it's not it's not the fight to make. I mean, mm-hmm. I get it, right? But no, Cejudo retired. Aljamain won by and it's questionable not, means, yeah. so it needs to be settled. I and think it's that's not a money fight because Aljamain didn't legitimately win it. Yep. By by beating Jan, it yep. was a, a legal knee, and yeah. and while Cejudo is a fantastic fighter and considers himself triple champion but is actually yeah. a double champion uh he isn't a money fighter and he's not known for bringing in the pay-per-view so with Aljamain maybe wanting to take advantage of being a champion and get some pay-per-view points the money fight is the Peter Jan rematch mm-hmm. and he needs to understand that um so then we move on to Amanda Nunez versus Megan Anderson oh my God. and uh it didn't go any other way than I thought it was gonna go or Megan Anderson <laughs> uh and I think the one thing I told you was man the look on these ladies faces when she connects is pure Fear. Uh, you saw it in Ronda's face. You see it. You saw it in, in Megan Anderson's face on Saturday. Even on Cyborg, when she connected on Cyborg, Cyborg started swinging wildly because she was like, "Holy shit! I'm about to get knocked out, so I need to connect with something." Yeah. The power that Amanda Nunez has, and it's her punches are so accurate as well. So it's power plus accuracy, and that's probably the most dangerous combination as a puncher because her punches come straight, and she has long arms. So her reach is there, and she throws her punches straight. So when somebody's countering, unless they have longer arms than her, or are close enough to maybe counter with a hook, or come underneath an uppercut or something, they'll never catch her because of the length, because of the speed, the accuracy, and the power. It's an, it's it's absolutely amazing. 
And there's no like wasted strikes when, when she throws. It's always it's gonna land. Mm-hmm. And when it lands, you see it, they're like, oh fuck. <laughs> like, I know bitches have power, but I didn't know this bitch <laughs> had power like this. Like, damn. Yeah. Like sometimes it, it just looks like she could knock out some of the lighter like one twenty five fighters uh, male fighters in the UFC. It's like Jesus. Her power is serious. No, it's horrifying. Yeah. It's horrifying. And it's game changing, it's mentality changing. And, um, and you know, even with Megan going into the fight, like in the walking into the arena, if you rewatch that fight, she just didn't look confident. Mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, she has to take the fight because if you get a title shot, even if you're not ready, you got to take the chance. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how many opportunities? Some people go their whole careers without even getting an opportunity at the title. So you have to take the chance. But she obviously wasn't ready for that fight. And it's not her fault because there's no other contenders. And that's who was up. She was next, right? So... Uh, but she'll be okay. She'll probably end up in like PFL or Bellator or something like that. Uh, more than likely Bellator, because I know she got cut by the UFC. Or no, she that was her cut. last. That yeah. was her last fight in the contract, yeah. right? So, um, and they're probably not gonna do the one forty five pound division much, if at all. So she just got to go on to to go somewhere else. But, and also, Amanda also reminded everybody that she's not just a striker that has power punch. Oh yeah, like she she has ground game and she could dominate you on the ground too. With that jujitsu. Yeah, she was like, oh yes, you forgot that. <laughs> yeah, you forgot. I get you with that jujitsu. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, and it was almost like a, a mercy killing. Yeah. Because she did it so that she She's wouldn't have like, to hurt her anymore. You know what? I'm I'm done pounding your head. I'm just gonna take you up nicely. No, it's pretty go. sick. So what what would we say is next for Amanda Nunez? I personally think uh, I I would love to see a trilogy fight with with Bullet. I think. Uh, Valentina is doing fantastic in her division. Obviously, she's running the, the the division. She's champion. She's had about, what, four or five fights in that division and beat them pretty cleanly. Uh, I think it's time. I think it's time to do Bullet versus Amanda Nunez and, and have a definitive victor because even though Nunez won the first two fights, they were very, very, very close fights. And I think uh, I would love to see one of them win decisively. But usually you don't see a trilogy when somebody wins the first two fights even if they were close usually when they win the first two fights it's like all right then it's over this is like a rare occasion where you're like okay maybe but i still see amanda winning it the third time again being three and oh and then after that it's like all right what else like you got you still got to think about past bullet like i don't i don't see amanda retiring any anytime soon especially the way she's dying yeah i mean she's barely breaking a sweat in these fights yeah so like what do you, what do you do? Even if she does the rematch, let's say she does the rematch with Bullet, she beats her a third time, which is probably going to happen. What are you going to do next? What's after Bullet? You have to think about next. What's past Bullet? Maybe you don't think about the Bullet fight. I mean, it might be the only one left, but you got to think about past Bullet. What's next? Uh, what's her name? Uh, Pena, Julia Pena. Do you do that one? Yeah, what do, what I do don't you, think what Pena do do? would be able to handle that. that. Like we have, I mean, yeah, she's a great wrestler, but. We haven't. We've seen uh, uh, Bullet and, and Amanda twice already, and she won too. So like, what do what do you do? Like, you have to do some fights that we haven't seen, or else it's gonna get old. Where you just we're, we're gonna have to see like four fights with Bullet because they're all close and shit. This is like, yeah, I don't know. No, I hear you, but I think if you also think about the DC, like DC Jones, right? There was gonna be a third fight. Yeah. If if DC that was, lose, that was like bad blood. They were, they were like yeah. hated each other. And I, and I, I hear and you. John Jones got popped. I hear yeah. you, but I mean, John Jones beat him definitively twice, yeah. more than I would say Bullet beat mm-hmm. uh, Nunez. And you can sell sorry, it. Nunez beat Bullet. I mean, sorry, more than uh, yeah, better more than Nunez. Changing history. Bullet, sorry. <laughs> um, 
So I, I think it's a little different because if, if you can do that fight, you can do this fight now because, number one, you don't want Shevchenko to lose. And then you lose that third fight. The other two are close, right? That storyline that's there already. I think Juliana Pena can, maybe you can put her in the ring with somebody that she can beat so that now she would be the logical step. So now you have two fights in a row. What you don't want to do is have Pena first, then Bullet. You know, anything can happen in memory. We've seen it. We thought, um, what's her name? Uh, or the, the Asian? The, no, the, the, wait, the wait, killer wait. that lost what? to Rose Namahunas. Oh, um. Joanna, Joanna Jerjekirk. Joanna Jerjekirk. Joanna We didn't think she was ever going to lose. She was she was looking like a monster, and then now look at her. She's right. So anything can happen in MMA. So I would hate to see the bullet to lose, and then we don't get that fight. So I think well, I think well, if, if the bullet loses to somebody, I think that person would be a better option than than the bullet because we already seen her lose twice to to Amanda. So maybe that situation would be a little bit better to see if. If somebody overtakes Bullet and then see if that person could, could challenge Amanda Nunez, maybe. But the name recognition wouldn't be there. Whoever would beat Bullet wouldn't have the name recognition fuck that Bullet the, has she's now. Fuck, she fought Megan Anderson. She, who, nobody really knows who Megan Anderson is, right? So, like, the name doesn't matter. It's just, like, waiting for somebody to beat Amanda. See if anybody can beat her at this point. Because the name, I think it doesn't matter, really. Because she beat Ronda Rousey, she beat Holly Holm, she beat Misha Tate, she beat everyone. Well, I'm talking about in, from the standpoint of the UFC yeah. and making pay-per-view. I don't oh, disagree yeah. that I like to see somebody new yeah. take her on, but if yeah. I'm the UFC, I think right now let's make that match get as much pay-per-view points as we can from that storyline and then work our way from there. Where if somebody beats Valentina and it's probably going to be a great fighter but doesn't have the name recognition, maybe that fight isn't on pay-per-view. Or if it is, it's not as prominent, right? Things like that's kind of where I'm seeing it. I think the UFC... Uh, UFC. UFC. Wow. UFC football, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the but Trojans think, are going to come on. I think the UFC, uh, they would ride more... For the pay-per-views, they would ride more on the, the Nunez name now. Because I think she's gotten to a point where she's so dominant that everybody... most Mostly everybody that knows MMA and knows UFC knows who Amanda Nunez is and how dominant she is. Kind of like what Ronda Rousey was, like she, you didn't you didn't have to worry about who's across the cage from her. You just know her dominance and what she could do to to the other person. How she finished in like thirty seconds, and how she was armbarring people left and right. Kind of the same thing with Amanda, where you don't. It doesn't matter who you put in in front of her. She's just so dominant. She's so polarizing. She's she's iconic, and whoever just ride off of her legacy and her name, kind of for the pay per view buys and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, but it'll be interesting to see what they do because it was such a um, it was such a dominant performance yeah, that it's just scary flawless. to think about it was who's actually going to be able to handle her. It's just yeah. I mean, eventually they might even have to do like, hey, Bellator, can we uh, get somebody over yeah, here, please? Little, little because yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what else could they do? She's just going to be beating people over and over and over mm -hmm. again. It's going to be a little nuts. So then we get to the main event, and then we get Anasanya and how do you say his name? Jan Blachowicz. Crazy that you can pronounce these people's names. Um, we got to the main event, and what did you think going into the fight? How it was gonna play? I thought Izzy was gonna win, but I knew I I, I was worried more about Jan's uh, kicks and and his his power neutralizing uh, Izzy. But I knew Izzy was gonna try to set up traps because that's usually what he does with counter punching, kind of like Floyd Mayweather, the way that he he sets people like usually power punchers trying to set him up for traps, like making him be aggressive and push forward and, and be reckless. Kind of what he did to Paulo Costa. That's how he picked them apart. It's like, hey, like I know you're gonna just going to uh, pressure me and try to uh, think you're going to outmuscle me and, and power, outpower me, 
But I'm going to let you do that. I'm going to let you think that you have control of the fight. Keep pushing me forward. But I'm just going to keep getting, hitting you with left, rights when you come in and just slip to the right, left, jump out to the left, right, whatever. I, I'll do whatever I want. I'll pick you apart. I'm counterpunching. So I, I liked what Blahovich did during that fight, not falling into those traps. But I had I was worried a little bit because usually those power punches, you know, they they, they just rush in and, and just they're obsessed with their power. They're like, I, I touch him and he dies. I like how Blahovich was patient. I didn't expect that being that patient and, and just taking his time throughout the whole fight, not really falling into those traps. So I was worried about that. I thought Izzy was going to win based off of the, the traps that he sets. And and Blahov, I was worried about Blahovich's kicks, body kicks, and leg kicks. Really didn't play a factor into this. I was surprised. It was more of his defense and him you know, not falling into those traps and, and playing his game of like, all right, I'll, I'll kickbox with you. Like, I don't care. I, I'm a good kickboxer too. Like, yeah. I'm not just a power puncher. I'm a good striker. So I was, I was really surprised at how the fight went. Yeah, I uh, I really thought Izzy was going to smoke him. Yeah. Only because of the speed factor. Mm-hmm. Obviously, what's his name again? I'll go with John. Jovovich. I can't say that fucking last Jan. name. Jan. Jan, not John. Jan, John. 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 John Blackovitz. John Blackovitz. <laughs> he's just, like, a, he's just he's some Jewish, Jewish guy from, he's Jewish. from New York. He had a salmon and, and cream cheese, baby. John Blackovitz, attorney at law. So, I definitely thought that um, that speed was going to play a factor. Into it. Obviously, I knew that John, John was bigger, stronger. I mean, 20, 30 pounds is serious weight mm-hmm. to give up. But I just thought that Izzy would be able to kind of pick him apart from the outside a little bit. And I felt like he was a bit slower. Like, uh, in the beginning, DC was saying that he was falling for the feints, falling for the feints. John is... Is every feint that that Izzy's doing, you could see him trying to move and block, and and but I, Izzy didn't follow up. He would just feint, and he wouldn't use the feints for offense. So I think as the fight went on, John caught wind of that, and then he stopped falling for it, and then now he just then he started connecting, and then he took him down, and then it was over. So I think uh, his game plan was top notch. His team should be really proud of what they did because mm-hmm. it was more about the game plan, if yeah. anything. But I also think Strategic. Izzy did was not aggressive enough. You have the speed advantage, and he didn't. I don't feel like he really used it to his benefit. Leg kicks, body kicks, a little bit of that. I think it, it what played a huge factor in that whole fight was the mutual respect because Jan had respect for Izzy's counter punching, and he saw that with Paulo Costa, how he just absolutely destroyed Paulo Costa. He had respect for that, and also Izzy had major respect for his power for for Jan's power. You see when he touches people like. Luke Rockhold, when he got hit by Jan, he looked like he was on another planet. He woke up, he's like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> and you see him do that shit to, to Dominic Reyes, who people thought were like the next, was guaranteed the next champion, right? They wrote off uh, Jan because of what Dominic did. I definitely did. did, I'm not gonna lie. What Don- I told you, you, Jan had a good <laughs> chance of winning because of Polish power. Mm. But like, <laughs> people write off Jan because Dominic Reyes, the way he performed against John Jones, is like, dude, you can't count out that power. When you have power like that, and also, he doesn't just have power. He has kickboxing uh, yeah. skills, too. And he's strong technically. He's strong. And, yeah. and, he, and he follows the game plan. Yeah. He is very technical. He's underrated technical uh, uh, fighter. So when, when you match him up with that, Izzy knows that he's, he's not just all power. He's technical and he's patient. So when you have that with, with a counterpuncher with somebody that, that has that kind of power and also is very patient and follows a, a straight game plan and a very good game plan at that, and also has skills in kickboxing, too. He could kick the shit out of your body. You saw mm-hmm. what he did with Dominic Reyes, mm-hmm. where his body was just bruised and, and black and blue yeah. in the middle of the fight. It's like, Jesus. Like, yeah. he throws kicks like that, 
it could really fuck you up. So if you if you're going in uh, uh, aggressive against somebody like that, and if he lands uh, kicks on your body, kicks on your legs, and then he lands you with that left, oh, man, you could put anybody out. Nah, definitely. I just think just a little bit more aggression. I think would have would have uh, helped Izzy a little bit more. With maybe like a, a a straight kick to the body kind of thing, right? Keeping him at distance and then picking him apart, but. It was very interesting, and, and shout out to uh, Jean, because mm-hmm. I definitely didn't think he had it in him, but he's been surprising the world the last three fights, yeah. four fights, so congratulations for him. He's uh, he's 38, so yeah. uh, he's enjoying it towards the end of his Crazy career. Crazy turnaround. And, yeah, get it it's, done. It's on some Michael Bisping shit right there. Yeah, it's awesome. Get it done. Except man. he has two eyes. <laughs> you hear that, Bisping? You can beat the shit out of my brother anytime. <laughs> I love Bisping, I love you. Train me anytime <laughs> you want, buddy. I'd love to see that. So then we move now on to the fight night. On ESPN, that happened last weekend. I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about the rest of the card. It was the card itself was fantastic. A lot of great knockouts, a lot of great action. Uh, but honestly, there weren't a lot of big names on the card yeah. to really speak of. Um, I don't even remember who the main, the co-main was. Uh, but again, the fighters did fantastically, and that's just more about me maybe not knowing who the hell they are versus them themselves because it was a great show, uh, a lot of action. It was really good, and then you get to the main event. And it was like a fart in church. Uh, Leon Edwards, <laughs> I poked, I poked um, Bilal, Bilal, Bilal Mahomet. Bilal Mohammed. Uh, I poked his ass right Bilal. in the eye, and it was blood gushing out of the eyeball, and it was a very sad thing to see. I think um, finger fucked his eye. Seeing, seeing Bilal crying was like, God damn. You know, whenever you see a grown man like crying like that, it, it's always tough to see. And uh, and Leon Edwards was fighting really, really good. I think it was actually a really Interesting fight mm-hmm. uh, up until that point. But now you're stuck, right? Because that was supposed to be the fight that kind of opened up the division a little bit more. We, we know what Leon has, and then we know what's going to happen in his next fight, and now everything is kind of stuck. So what do you think is going to happen next for Leon? Leon, I think the really the only fight to do right now for Leon is Jorge Masvidal. Because Jorge went on short notice, fought Usman. Didn't get completely dominated. Like he put up a good fight for for being on short notice for that short of a notice. Yeah, but it was it was domination. It was five rounds to nothing. I mean, well, if you rewatch the fight, uh, Masvidal landed some good shots on Usman. Didn't hurt him, but it was good shots. I think if you know he has full ca- uh, training camp, I still think Usman wins. But I think it'll be better than than what we saw. I think the the really the the good fight to, to have next for Leon is to fight Jorge, especially the backstory that they had, and it's a good matchup. Because I, I think it's tough to take down Jorge Masvidal. It's obviously hard to take him down. And he also had, he's really good on his back. And Leon Edwards, with that striking, it'll be a good matchup to see him against Jorge. And then you kind of can gauge what, what would happen if, if you know he fights uh, Usman. We saw what Bilal could do because he has the same kind of pressuring uh, forward movement as Usman and, and Cummington. So you can kind of see that he could still control the center of the ring. You know, it's hard to take him down and... And really control him like that. But I would like to see him uh, against somebody like uh, Masvidal, who has just as good a striking as him, and see if he could try to, you know, wrestle him and grapple him and see what he can do against somebody like that. Um, I think that's the, the next fight for him. Okay. So I kind of disagree a little bit. Yeah. I think I would like to see kind of a mini tournament of sorts in that division, just because there's so many fighters there yeah. that I think uh, kind of figuring out where people land is really the way to go. So I'd actually put him with Kobe. I think I'd have Usman fight uh, Street Jesus again, uh, only because I think it would be interesting on a full camp. I definitely do think he dominates him again, though. That's the crazy part. 
And I think he might even do it worse. But um, I think you have uh, Kobe and Leon. Now, if Leon can beat Kobe, right, Kobe Covington, convincingly, now you have a good idea as to what would happen with Usman. Because Kobe and Usman are almost the exact same fighter. Just Usman is a bit better with his striking. So if he can really take on Kobe and make an impact, now you have Kobe and Leon. You have Usman and Masvidal. Usman more than likely beats Masvidal. Whoever wins that fight between Leon and Kobe gets that fight with, with Usman. And then Masvidal fights the loser of that. So you still get the matchup that you're talking about, possibly. But it, it, it makes the division now more like, okay, we know where you're going, we know where you're going, we know where you're going, we know where you're going. See, I, I can understand that point, but the only problem I have with that is that Covington put up a better fight, in my opinion, than uh, Masvidal did against Usman. Uh, the only really big thing was that, you know, of course, Usman has that power and he broke his, his fucking jaw, but it, before that, it was a pretty good fight. Mm -hmm. Like, Covington was putting up a good fight. So I think, the, I would, before Usman versus, Us, uh, what did I just say? Masvidal? Usman versus Masvidal rematch, I would see Covington versus Usman before that. That's why I would I would have... Uh, Masvidal versus uh, uh, Leon Edwards before I see Leon Edwards versus Covington and uh, Usman versus Masvidal. I, I would see a little bit like little little Mitch, uh, you know, switching a little of the mat who matches. <laughs> Whoa! I just stroked out. <laughs> hey, the first stroke on the No Mouthpiece Podcast. Welcome. If there is the first, but it won't be the last. <laughs> I got one coming in about an hour. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I hear you. I hear you. Mm. And I'm honestly, I think we win either way. That's yeah. the good thing that we win in so many combinations of these fights. So many fantastic, yeah. especially if these guys actually want to fight each other and, and sign their contracts. Yeah. Right. If they make it happen, but I think if if you have like if you have Leon against Masvidal and he beats Masvidal, the tough part is, do you really want to see Masvidal against Colby after that? I not really. Right. You kind of lose the value in Masvidal a bit. Where you still have value in him, name recognition, dollar bills, people still want to see him. You have the excuse of the two-week camp. Now's the time to put him against Usman because people still want to see that. If you put him against Kobe or if you put him against Leon and he gets beat, he loses some of that value. And now, in terms of how the UFC is viewing it, it's is it worth it, right? Like, but also we've seen Masvidal lose before, right? His whole career, he he doesn't have a perfect record, right? He has a lot of losses on his record. The thing about him is his personality and the way he speaks. It's not more so of, like he has the spectacular moments and, and, and his his streak has been amazing, but like he's lost before and he could always bounce back again. Like he's done that before. So I'm not too worried about him if he loses to Leon Edwards, because everybody knows how good Leon Edwards is. If he loses to Leon Edwards, it's like, alright, he lost to Leon Edwards, like, you know. He's he's the next on the on, on the title shot, so like, it wouldn't be that big of a surprise. It wouldn't really kill his momentum that much. It's kind of like him losing to Usman. It's like, no surprise. Like, Usman is Usman. Like, it's no surprise that he lost to Usman. Mm -hmm. So, I, I think it doesn't really kill his 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 star power. I think more so it, it would kill it more if he lost to Usman again on a full camp. If you lose him again a second time, it's like, damn, dude. It just stops the whole the whole thing, the whole train. It kind of just ends it right there. If he loses it to him twice in a row, I don't know. I, I think it would be tough to, to really sell uh, Jorge after that. But if he loses to... He lost to Usman, but if he loses to Leon Edwards too, it's like, eh, I can see that. You know, I think he still has uh, some star, star power after that. 
We'll see. So no matter what, it's going to be interesting to see the next yeah. year or so of the UFC because there's so many matches that they played. Yeah. Uh, so one, one, one quick uh, question before we take a break here is uh, I'm really excited for this fight. Nanganu versus Stipe. I'm so excited for this fight. How is Stipe still an underdog after he just dominated Nganu for five straight rounds? They keep disrespecting him. I agree. Nganu is just a scary motherfucker. He's like, scary until you get him on is, his back and he's like a turtle. He's like, Ugh. He is horrifying to fight. So you got to understand when you look at the matchmakers, like, absolutely. Uh, Stipe's a beast. Uh, we know what he did to ZC. Honestly, still shocks me. I definitely thought DC was going to win. Um... The third fight, disrespectful. Uh, I definitely did, but um, when you look at Ngannou, like one punch is just and, and you know you say that about a lot of people, yeah. But Ngannou breaks people's mouths, like he puts on like highlight knockouts, like Mike Tyson used to. So I think Stipe beats him again, and I think he the same idea. If he survives that first round, right, that second round, and Ngannou starts to wear down a bit. Stipe is just gonna take him apart because Stipe's uh, his um, he has he, he can keep his energy up for five rounds. Mm-hmm. He his striking never slows down. He has he's got boxing, the wrestling yeah. to go into right dirty boxing. He's good in all you know. He's good in all, all aspects fences, of the yeah. game. So if so, if Engano even slows down a little bit, that's it. It's Stipe's fight to take. But man, that that power is horrifying. But when you look at the Curtis Blades, the last knockout that he had, right, the the, the absolute blitz. Curtis Blades is a really good wrestler. He didn't even try to shoot for a takedown. He, For some reason, Ngannou, when he was rushing him, he said, Oh, I'm going to jab and try to see if I can... <laughs> but, like, hey, shoot for a takedown, dude. Like, you saw what Stipe did to him. And you know you're a great wrestler. Like, you could easily take this man down. And you said, Oh, my game plan for him blitzing me right now is to jab and move backwards. And give him a chance to land one big shot, even though he's just, you know he's going to keep wailing until he lands one. Like, come on, people, it's like when people see him blitzing, they panic. Mm. But Stipe, the first time. scary. Yeah, but, but the first fight, what really showed me is that Stipe wasn't scared. He didn't panic. He stayed calm, and then he took him down. Yeah. That's the difference between him and other fighters in that, in that weight division. That's why he's a champion. He doesn't panic. When he sees Yinganu, who's an African god. Running towards you, blitzing, knows he could shut you down with one touch. And you don't panic, and you're like, all right, I'm going to take him down, and this moment is going to be a perfect time takedown, and then the rest of the round is going to be mine. Like, he's he, he's not going to do shit. He can't get up. He can't do anything. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be interesting, but I'm really excited because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think odds are Stipe wins, but, man, if, can you imagine this guy just putting Stipe's head into the first row with a fucking uppercut or some shit? Like, yeah, I can no, see that, too. Yeah. Just one... Punch that slides through is is. I'd be it, very disappointed. I'd it's be really been scary. Sad. I'd be really sad. I'd love it, although because I love Stipe. But man, to have somebody like that as champion, especially heavyweight champion, like that's you know in the old boxing days, you know, you you talk about like people like Tyson and George Foreman. These people were scary. They were heavyweight champions and uh, Frazier, and they would take your fucking head off, right? So when you think about world heavyweight champion, you want a big, strong monster there. It just makes the product so much better. And 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 then who's, you look at who's gonna beat this fucking guy like this giant killer? It's exciting, man. It's awesome. Uh, a fucking dude, a uh, fireman from Cleveland is gonna beat this <laughs> motherfucker. That's what it is. On that note, we're gonna take a little break, and we'll be right back.
All right, welcome back. So we're going to change gears a little bit from the UFC over to some news that I sent my brother the other day that really made me angry. <laughs> like really, really angry. So let me read you this article from the New York Post. And I'm going to read the whole article because I think it needs to be read. So if you don't like it, I don't care. The title is, New York City School Encourages Kids to Stop Using Words Like Mom, Dad, in Inclusive Language Guide. I was already angry. Just by the title, I was angry. A Manhattan private school aiming to use more inclusive language, that's in quotation marks, is encouraging its students to stop using the terms mom, dad, and parents because the words make assumptions about kids' home lives. Wow. The Grace Church School in NoHo, which offers academic courses for junior kindergarten through 12th grade, issued a 12-page guide to students and staff explaining the school's mission of inclusivity. The detailed guide recommends using the terms grown-ups, folks, family, or guardians as alternatives to mom, dad, and parents. It also suggests using caregiver instead of nanny slash babysitter. Families are formed and structured in many ways. At Grace Church School, we use inclusive language that reflects this diversity. It's important to refrain from making assumptions about who kids live with, who cares for them, whether they sleep in the same place every night, and whether they see their parents, etc., etc., the guide reads. The document also states how to use appropriate terms relating to gender, sexual orientation, race, and ethnicity. Instead of asking a person, what are you? Where are you from? The query should be, what is your cultural ethnic background? What are your ancestors is your family from? According to Grace's Guide. The school defended the guide, telling City Journal that its goal is to promote a sense of belonging for all of our students. Grace is an Episcopal, I don't know if I said that right, church, school. As part of our Episcopal, I don't really know if I'm saying that right, identity, <laughs> we recognize the dignity and worth common to humanity. The Reverend Robert Penoyer, assistant head of school, said in a statement to the outlet. So here's where I'm at. Grace Church School in NoHo, you can go fuck yourself. And here's why. I understand being inclusive. I think everybody gets that. You should be inclusive. Nobody should ever not get something because they're black, white, short, fat, tall, skinny, gay, straight, tranny, whatever the fuck, queer, Anything. You should never be stopped from doing anything, anywhere, just because of one thing. Right? Background, whatever it is. You just, that should be highly illegal, and it is, right? You can't discriminate against people based off of whatever the fuck, right? But I think there's a big difference in changing complete language for no reason whatsoever. So I'm supposed to go to my mom and say, hey, grown up, how are you? Like, mom and dad is a term of endearment. And why should I, as a child, or even as an adult, made to be 
feel some weird type of way because I'm acknowledging that my mom is my mom and my dad is my dad. Here's what I'm saying. No matter what your background is, no matter who is in your home or whatever the case may be, call them by who the fuck they are. If your cousin takes care of you, your fucking cousin takes care of you. If you have two fucking dads, be proud that you have two fucking dads. That's the coolest thing in the world. Fucking three people playing catch? That's fun. <laughs> if you have two fucking moms, great. If you have two tranny parents, I don't give a shit. Whatever the fuck they are, call them what they are and celebrate who they are. Versus making this whole giant generic fucking phrase of folks and family and guardians. It's fucking ridiculous. It's asinine. We're, we're, we, are, we are now basically doing a blank statement across the board for everyone and it just doesn't work that way. People, we are fucking different. We are different. People are different. They use different languages. They say different things. They do different things. Okay? So how are you going to raise kids to be... You can... To raise them to be inclusive while also isolating the fact that people are different. You're making them all feel like they're all the same and they're fucking not. It's insane. It's, inc it's inclusivity by exclusivity. You're excluding other people by... Try trying to include other people, you're excluding other people. So you're saying, hey, you can't say this, but, you know, because this person might feel this way, but it's like, hey, you're excluding me then. Like, you're excluding the way I feel and what I want to say, then what, what am I to you then? Am I just some, because I, I don't have transparency, what am I to you? I'm just some other fucking kid? I'm just another kid then. If, if I have to change the way I speak because somebody else. It's, it's inclusivity by exclusivity. So you're, you're excluding a group of people be, uh, for another group of people. So you're counterproductive. What you're trying to do is counterproductive. It's not inclusive. You're not including everybody in the same thing. It's, it's making some other kids feel weird because you make them feel bad. Like, that's not a way to live life. You make kids feel bad for, for having a normal life. You're saying, hey, since you, you're, you're privileged and you have a normal life, you can't say these things. You have to worry about what you say every single time. You can't say these things. You can't say that thing. You can't say this. That's no way to put, that's not a lot of pressure to put on fucking kids. They're kids. Like, why are you putting them in their head that they have to worry about saying this thing right now? They have to worry about saying, not saying mom and dad now. Like, well, that's no way to live. That's no way to raise kids. That's no way to teach kids. That's not what you're, you're supposed to be teaching these kids. You're supposed to teach them history, math, and that's it. What are you doing? You're, you're putting your, your own uh, 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 thoughts and, and, and your beliefs into another kid. That's not a way to live. That's not that's not how you raise kids. Yeah. I I just I I understand the intention behind the act. But I think the problem that we're having across the board in society right now when you talk about cancel culture and all these issues of changing language and identifying people the way they want to be identified, I think what we're missing is and and it's he made uh, my brother made a good point here is is the the inclusivity by exclusivity because now you're making me feel some type of way to, to accommodate somebody else when why can't we accommodate each other? Why can't we, why can't I say mom? And you can say whatever the fuck you want to call your fucking mom, dad, or whoever it is. Like, I think you educating people on the differences, right? Of understanding like, hey, maybe be careful what you say with Jimmy because Jimmy has a different lifestyle. Or teaching Jimmy to be proud of the background or the lifestyle, whatever it is that he comes from. That's what we should be teaching, right? Not not making everything so blanket and so generic. It's just that's not the way it works with people. We are different. 
And when we're not embracing those differences, we're making it so we're saying like we're all the same and we should talk the same and we should be the same. And that is very confusing for kids who grew up a certain way and who are uh, and, and I'm sure it, it actually I wouldn't be surprised if it actually makes kids who come up from a different uh, background or have call their parents different or whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if it makes them feel weird because not everybody's adjusting to them, to them and everybody knows that. Yeah. And so, what are you doing here? Like, it also causes more problems because then you, you make the kids that have normal lives. They're like, I can't say this because you got a a, a tranny dad or whatever the fuck. Like, it makes it even worse. Like, it, and also like it's lazy because all that stuff is not the same all around. Like, it's it's a case to case basis. What you're doing that the way you're doing that, it's basically saying like you're lazy and you don't want to deal with it, so you just cover it on all bases. You're like, all right, we're going to do this so we don't have this problem anymore. We don't have uh, kids be crying to us about uh, this kid saying a certain thing about their parents and, and all that and that they feel a certain way. you got to deal with it as a case-to-case -case basis, like a, a counselor uh, dealing with every kid in each situation and telling them, you know, making them feel better. You don't just – just doing that, like that generic and that across the board, it's really lazy. Like you're just trying to deal with the problem without actually dealing with it. You're just – it's a lazy way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Think of it as if you really want to do something like this for maybe for kids who have single parents and their parents are working or they do have untraditional backgrounds. How about you have after school programs? Mm -hmm. Right. How about you have after school programs where kids can come together and and then in that after school program, you can kind of have those weird. No, nah, I'm not weird, but those tough conversations. Right. Um, or, or talk about inclusivity and what that means to kids or even have after school programs so kids can kind of not feel alone or whatever it is like you can do separate programs to accommodate children who maybe need that extra push or that extra uh faith in them right or or having attention. a tough time yeah i yeah, need that extra attention or having a tough time fitting in because they're not like everybody else like there's things that you can do but changing the language to make it generic and make it plain like that it take it just takes away from from us being individuals and us being who we are Right. Like I'm all for people being ca called whatever they want to be called. And so why is it fair that we have to adjust to other people when they want to be called something specific, which I'm OK with whatever it is. If you're a man and you want to identify as a woman, you want to be called a woman. Fine. If that makes you happy and I, I, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But why do we isolate that language to accommodate that one individual? But then in something like this, it has to be generic and blank. It does. It doesn't make sense, and that's not how the world works. And we're taking away that individual aspect of children, of how we grow up, of who we are, and we can't lose that because who we are and our personal opinions and our personal backgrounds is what creates the the like. You look at New York City, that melting pot of New York City, where you have so many people with different backgrounds and and the way they grow up, and it it, it helps us come together as a city, as a state. To create some wonderful experiences in New York. And sometimes they are negative experiences. Sometimes people do clash. But if you don't have that clash, then you can't have that conversation to educate each other on, on our differences and how we can kind of come to an understanding. Um, so honestly, yeah. Fucking all the kids, parents who fucking send their kids to the school and any kids that are listening to this, because I think this goes up to 12th grade, say fucking mom, say fucking dad, brother, sister. Say what you want to say, because I think if there's any way that this school is like suspending people or doing anything or holding people accountable for not doing that, I think it's really fucked up. 
And I think it's something that need to be called out. What was that reverend's name? What was that? What was that reverend's name? The reverend. Reverend Robert Panoya. Hey, Reverend Robert Panoya, go fuck yourself, <laughs> asshole. And I'm sure a lot of people are Jesus. not going to agree with us on this. Jesus. But I think it's come to the point where, uh, what are we doing here? Yeah. Right. Like, what? What? We're, what's going on? We're spending our time focusing on shit that doesn't really matter. Like, this this kind of stuff doesn't make a difference. It doesn't do anything. It just makes kids feel out of place and, and more out of out of of, of comfortability. Like you, you make them more uncomfortable by forcing these kind of uh, ideals and, and these these restrictions. Like you can't say this. Why can't I say that? Like why? I'm I'm just like twelve years old. Why can't I say this? Why can't I say mom? Why can't I say uh, dad? Yeah, that... And then it makes them feel weird when they go home and they're like, I can't I can't say I can't call you mom and I can't call you dad. Yeah. And what what are the parents gonna say? Oh. I don't know. <laughs> like, like the whole, the whole situation. <laughs> well, did you hear about the the Baltimore uh, teachers in Baltimore? The the salary. There, uh, they are. Uh, I think it's like three thousand or so teachers in Baltimore that average up to like a hundred thousand dollars a year in pay, which is like one of the highest Jeez. in the, in the in the country. But hey, guess what? They're like, they're fifth in, in, in pay and funding in schools, but they have one of the worst graduation rates. Now, why is that? You don't just push money and, 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 and shit into, into these problems and then think they can, it's just going to fix it, right? It's the quality of teachers, the quality of the schools, quality of the people in place and, and, and the head of the schools, the principals, the teachers. It's the leadership there. Like sometimes the, the, the union unionized teachers kind of screwed everything up where you really can't do anything about it. You can't really just fire them out if they're just terrible teachers. Like, these teachers are being rotated in and, and just, like, constantly moved around uh, school to school and they're still terrible. They're still bad. Like, these graduation rates are just terrible and they still have a job. They're still getting paid $100,000 a year. For what? For what? And then you have situations like this with the, with that school. Like, well, nothing's going to happen to them. Like, they're, they're just going to keep that, that ideals and they're probably not going to close down. They're probably going to keep that. People are probably going to put their kids in there. And those kids are going to learn some, some bullshit. And they're going to grow up to be sad and lonely and, and, and just angry. Just, oh, man. You know, when I was, like, even when you, I know, we, we have, like, a 12-year difference. Just so everybody knows. I'm 36 and my brother's 25. Five. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. It just happened. So we have like an 11, 12 year difference depending on when our birthdays land. So uh, when we were kids, obviously it felt it was the different times. Uh, but I, I don't feel like there was this much pressure as a kid and this much like, oh, watch out for this and watch out for that. Like, I feel like I was just allowed to be a kid. And when I was a little douchebag, I just get a whop right across the head yeah. and then they keep it moving. Like, that's it. Like, there's so many things that kids need to worry about these days that are just enforced on them by adults who are just ridiculous and dumb. Uh, I I don't know, man. Being a kid nowadays is so like if my stepson came home and was like, "Hey, I can't call you my stepdad anymore. I can't call my dad dad. I gotta call him an adult or a person or a fucking tree, whatever the fuck you want to name him." I'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And oh, but we learn that people and we gotta be equal for the others. And I just I would just be like, "What the fuck are you saying?" Like it doesn't make any sense. Now there's gender studies, there's safe spaces in colleges, there's these like courses where it's like you can easily get an A for just learning some bullshit. And because of uh, of these teachers that, that agree with this social uh, whatever the fuck trend that's going on right now, 
where it's like you have to believe a certain way and then now we're going to have courses and, and, and it's slowly creeping into to high schools and younger ages. Like you start teaching kids, like it's it's different when it's like an 18-year-old or adult that, that moves out of the house and, and going out to school, being their own person. It's it's their choice to, to learn that kind of stuff if they want it. It's their choice to enroll in that in that class and have that be their major. But it's different when it's a kid and you're forcing, pretty much forcing that course on them. And they're learning that it's almost brainwashing, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of just learning about history and just learning about uh, Alexander the Great and, and learning about uh, uh, Napoleon or some shit, you're learning about the gender as a construct, social construct. It's like, what? Whoa, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Dude, like, come on. And then, like, ah, man. Like, I went to a, a Catholic school, right? And you went to a public school. In the Catholic school, all we really had to worry about is not cursing. And also shaving. Make sure you shave because th- th- they were strict on, like, looking clean shaving and stuff. Mm. But, like, that's really all we had to worry about. We didn't have to worry about saying uh, uh, mom, dad, or, or not saying mom and dad and not worrying about saying certain words and saying certain genders and making sure that we say the right pronoun. It was never that. It was just having fun and, and just worry about the curses that you say around teachers. It's like, ugh. Man, now, if I went to school now and, and I went to one of these schools, I, I don't know how I would deal with that. Mm-hmm. Having to worry about walking on eggshells, worrying about pronouns and, and saying not saying mom and dad is just, ugh. That's way, way more stress put on the kid. They already have to worry about homework and tests and, and making sure you get good grades and all that shit. Like, worrying about pronouns and, and saying not saying mom and dad, ugh, it's just extra pressure on them. It's unnecessary. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It definitely is. You think about a simpler time when, you know, if you owned a business or if you worked in a, in a place where there was a lot of customers coming in and out and you would just go, you know, good morning, sir. Good morning, ma'am. How are you? And now there's so many different things that you have to think about. And I, again, I'm agreeing with that's okay, right? Like if you're born and you're alive, you have a right to be called whatever you want. And or I'll just be call a- you by your name and not your pronoun. I'll just <laughs> yeah, call you by your name. Hey, what's your name? All right, I'm going to call you by that. Now. Identify as whatever you want. But, you know, at the same time, if it's a bit difficult to know and I'm just trying to be polite, right, and and go, hey, uh, welcome, sir, or welcome, ma'am, and it's like, well, I'm not that, I'm this, you know, allow me to apologize and correct myself, uh, you know, and then they say, well, you shouldn't, like you said, you, okay, so what, what am I going to call you? Like, how do you say hi to people anymore? Hi, you. <laughs> like, hi, Carson. I, I am not hi, a human. <laughs> I am a robot. Hi, human. I have to greet you like this. Huh? Like, yeah, what the fuck? It's just, you know, you don't even know what to say to people anymore. And, and even when you're trying to be nice yeah. and polite, uh, it's just, it's a very strange time. And, and I don't know, like, soon we're going to be walking around with fucking badges that identify ourselves. And it's just like, call me this. And I'm just like, okay, train conductor Rick. Like, what the fuck? I don't know. Like. Cool. That's what you're going to be identify cool. as a flight attendant. Yeah. Like, what the you fuck know, are you talking it's about? It's just so weird. Like, yeah. it's just, hello, you, and hi, person. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's a, it's a very uh, difficult environment to live in. And I think we all just need to relax a little bit. And sure, be who you are and do what you want to do. But, like, let's slow down a little bit and just kind of get back to some normalcy. And it's also a small percentage of, of society that, that actually you know, identify as different genders. It's yeah. a small percentage. If you actually look at it, it's a very small, and it's gender dysphoria. It's an actual mental illness that leads to a lot of suicide. Like, if you look at it, even after transition, like, people say, like, oh, it, the reason why they kill themselves is because they're not accepted and they're not, but when in, in most cities where, like, Portland, Oregon, where they are accepted, it's very, uh, in San Francisco, where it's very open and it's very, like, accepted. 
people, even after transitioning, people, they still uh, uh, commit suicide at an alarming rate. It's a mental illness, just like every other mental illness. Just saying, oh yeah, you're this gender, it's not enough. Like you have to actually have to medicate and actually treat them a certain way. Because like just saying they're this pronoun doesn't fix the problem that they have. Like it, it's a mental illness just like any other one. Like you can't just deal with it by, by, by words. You don't just fix it by words. You have to actually do things. Yeah, there needs to be support programs. Yes. And, and I think because that's where it starts. I think it doesn't start with, like you said, just it's simplifying it and yes. saying call you this and call you that. There should be programs. There should be after school programs. There should be counselors involved. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to... I can only imagine how difficult it is to to be different mm-hmm. than everybody else, right? Like, uh, I, in the simplest form, I'm different is I'm, I'm fat, right? So I'm fat. And that makes me different than skinnier people. And I'm, when I'm around really, really good-looking, skinny people that are built with six-packs, yeah, I feel a little awkward because I'm fat. So I can only imagine... What it's like to be really, really different and stand out and be a man who was a woman and vice versa and just have something that really makes you stand out from the rest of the crowd. Mentally, that has to be difficult to deal with. Physically, it has to you know, be difficult to just kind of make whatever changes you want to make, right? So, so uh, there's a lot that goes with that beyond just us calling you whatever you want to be called and people just accepting that. It has to be almost... A process of mm-hmm. involvement of the people around you and and support and community support and education and all that stuff so you know that's the stuff that makes real changes that makes real difference that will lower those suicide rates that will create real real change in the communities of how people interact with people who are different of any kind but doing something silly as that is just be like well no more mom and dad and and everybody has to be called one word and it's just like man we're losing that that personal connection that we have that that sir, ma'am, that you, I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging you as an individual, as a person. Cool, you don't want to be called that? What do you want to be called? All right, cool, I'll call you that. But to force people to just blanket statement call everybody one thing, it just that's not going to work anymore. And also, most of the time, the people that are making those rules and making, trying to make those differences aren't even those people that, that are directly affected by those words and, and by those that language, right? Mm-hmm. It's mostly people that have nothing to do with it. They think they're doing the right thing. They think they're being inclusive. But they're, they have no idea how those people feel. They don't know what, what makes a difference to them. They don't know. They don't live that life. So why are you making that decision for other people? Why are you doing that? You don't know. Yeah. Virtue signaling. Nah, I hear you. Um, cool. So with that, again, I want to transition over to how do you think, how do you think Joe Biden's 100 days well, the first, you know, 90 whatever days he's been as president have gone. I, I would definitely love to hear this. Well, they, but they won't let him do a press conference, so that's a, a really good sign, right? That they, they won't, they don't, the White House doesn't trust him to do more than uh, 10 minutes on the, in a press conference. They literally shut him off before he answers anything. So that really shows you the kind of trust that they have in the current president. They saw him when, when they got elected in, they're like, holy shit, this dude really doesn't know what the fuck he's saying or doesn't know where he is. So that's a really good uh, confidence in, in the president right now. But I think at this point, everything is not even him. It's literally people around him. He's not even... He doesn't know where he is. You can see that. <laughs> what do you, you mean? You could literally see that. The, did you see that press conference? Yes. In the fr- he was like, what's happening? I'm like, what the fuck is he saying? And then they said, ah, and they just cut it off. I'm like, oh my God. This is so blatant. This guy doesn't know where the fuck he is. But it's just the people around him. I'm pretty sure that Kamala is literally running the show right now. Like, she's she's the one. I don't even think Biden knows where he is. 
It's yeah, a, it's a mess. I, I, I think, I think Biden's riding the wave of the vaccines. Yeah, you is. know, um, the vaccines being produced, which were being produced during. Let me make this clear. Let me make something clear. My brother and me are neither Republican, Republican nor Democrat. No, not neither. Because you know why? I think it's stupid if you pick a side. You know you why? Because the world isn't black and white yeah. or blue and red. It's fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. You can be one thing and also agree with something else, and then it, it, for you, for anybody to just be, oh, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. No, you're an idiot. There's nothing in this world that's black and white. So there's going to be parts of the Republican Party and where they stand that you're going to agree with. And there's going to be stuff with the Democratic Party you stand you're going to agree with. And then you meet in the middle. So for you to make a blanket statement like, I just vote Democrat and I just vote Republican. I don't care who's the, the candidate. is the dumbest shit in the world. And we're not Trump lovers either. But we are realists. Mm-hmm. The whole point of this fucking podcast, and I think why we wanted to start this, is because we wanted to be real. And not fucking pretend that our feelings were hurt when a fucking Twitter came out, or a little tweet came out, and we'd be like, oh my god, how could he say I don't give a shit what he said. What is he doing? What are his policies? What's the country looking like? That's all I give a shit about. So the reason I went on that little rant is because Biden's riding the wave of fucking vaccines, and guess when the vaccines were being pushed out? When fucking Trump was president. And Trump was the one who said that we'd have the vaccines early next year, and everybody laughed at him, and they made him feel like a dickhead. And guess when we have the fucking vaccines? Early this year. Everything that Trump predicted when it came to the vaccinations came true. When he said back, I believe it was October, he said, we're going to have vaccinations a month from now. We had vaccines ready a month from now. But all people wanted to care about was some fucking tweet that he would talk about, some fucking politician nobody gives a shit about, but because it was Trump tweeting it, everybody wants to go crazy. It's fucking ridiculous. So all Biden is doing right now is riding the, riding the wave of vaccines. Why is nobody paying attention to the fact that there are more kids in, in those fucking uh, cages. in those fucking cages in, in the Mexican border yep. than there has ever been? Now, during the Biden administration. And don't give me, don't give me, oh, he's only been in office for three months. He could change that shit with one executive order in a day. Why is nobody talking about that the very first thing he does when he gets to office is he bombs another country instead of focusing on the fucking stimulus bill. And enjoy your $1,400 because remember, he said it was going to be $2,000 not fourteen hundred because of the six hundred you got before. Oh, but as soon as he gets in office, now it's going to be fourteen hundred because you already got six hundred that Trump gave you. Where's the two grand that he promised us as soon as he got into office? Why is he lowering the amount of people now that can get this stimulus check than it was before? Because before the cutoff was about ninety thousand to a hundred thousand. Now it's what seventy thousand to seventy-five thousand dollars a year. Because people who make ninety thousand to a hundred thousand dollars aren't affected by the fucking pandemic either. Give me a fucking break. It's so ridiculous. And you know what? I'm not even mad at Biden. I'm mad at all you idiots who voted for Biden. And not voted for Biden for president, but voted for him when he was doing the fucking primary. And just because these fucking losers, uh, um, what's, what's, her, what's this fucking guy's name? Pete uh, Buttigieg or whatever the fuck his name is. And all these other losers decided to bow down because they're all a bunch of pussies. They started to bow down to the Democratic Party and promote him. And you're all like, oh, we got to go for Biden now. Get the fuck out of here with this shit. I blame all of you motherfuckers because I we all knew Biden was going to do this shit. He, why is he so fucking worried about going to fucking war? What's happening on the other side of the country that we give a shit about right now? He has business with Ukraine and, and Russia, dude. You don't, you, And China. You don't remember the, the, the hard drive that, that came out with his son. It, it was a crackhead and had child pornography. And, and, and it also mentioned him having secret dealings with, with, with Russia. Russian politicians and, and companies, but but you know we just brush over that, right? We just brush past that, like that never happened, right? Like it never happened that it wasn't an actual hard drive with proof, 
And people say, oh, it's because Giuliani's uh, prosecuting him and he's in charge of the, the investigation and that Trump is pushing for this. It, it's not real. It's all Russian bullshit. No, it's not. And then we just forget about it now that Biden is president, right? We just forget that ever happened. But if that was Trump, it would be over. His life would be done. He would be arrested. He would be in prison. It would be over, right? But also, why won't we talk about the fact that cages were, were happening when Obama was in administration, right? When it, during his administration, there was pictures of, of those pictures that people showed while Trump was president. Those were pictures from Biden's or, or, or Obama's administration with uh, Biden as the vice president. Why was that never talked about? Why was it only talked about when Trump was president? And then now that it's even doubled the amount of kids in cages, the amount of immigrants that are crossing the border has tripled in these three months that he's been president. It's been more than the last three years as Trump as president, the immigration going through the wall. How is that possible? And nobody's talking about that. Why? Why are we talking about some bullshit about Biden going to this fucking mom and pop shop just saying hi and oh, hey, I don't know where the fuck I am. And then he just walks away after 10 minutes. He only shows up for 10 minutes and that's the fucking top story on CNN. Come on, dude. Not kids in cages anymore. Like we just forget that kids were in cages. Now it's not an issue because Biden's president. He's going to solve all of that. And then now people are, are celebrating about the stimulus. But now, no, you know, it, it wasn't what he promised. Everything that he promises never comes true. He said they weren't going to do the new Green Deal. And then he's like, oh, we're going to do the new Green Deal. He fucking lies. And you guys vote these career politicians in every time. They're career politicians. They make their money off of this fucking job. And that's the people you should be looking out for. People that make their money off of working their whole lives as a politician. Those are the people you should be looking out for. Not Trump who's a celebrity that... He, does, he doesn't give a fuck. He has money. He doesn't care. He doesn't have to make money off of this shit. And as soon as he comes in, what happens? Epstein gets arrested. He gets exposed. All these fucking pedophile rings start getting exposed. And as soon as he out, we don't hear anything about any of that shit anymore. You know why? Biden's a little fucking pedophile, let's be honest. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. If I get assassinated, I'm gonna get assassinated. He's a pedophile. Listen, listen. Don't worry, the five people that listen to this I aren't mean, gonna work. I don't, I don't see any former president sniffing. You five people listening, don't tell I, Biden. I, I don't see any other former president sniffing a child's head. While they're, they're, they're greeting me. No, he's Grandpa Joe. Oh, yeah, he's a sleepy Joe. Yeah, he's, he's a Grandpa sleepy Joe. Joe. He's just you friendly. Know he's just being friendly. Yeah. You, know, you know how politicians just kiss babies on the head? He sniffed yeah. this little girl's head. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? What kind of bizarre world are we living in? Where we're like, hey, that's all right. He's just Joe being Joe. And then we got fucking California politicians being like, oh, yeah, the age of consent should be uh, 15 or 14 now. What the fuck is going on here? Where are we living in? Japan? The age of consent in Japan is 13. Is that what we're going to do oh, shit. We got to move to what Japan. <laughs> All right. Cut that out. But, but like, what are we doing here? Like, come on, man. Oh, this land fucking, of the rising sun it is. <laughs> this country used to be the land of the free and fucking hopeful for everyone. Now it's becoming a fucking shit show where we're voting in a dude that has Alzheimer's and doesn't know where the fuck he is and can't finish a fucking press conference. Wow. <sighs> I'm sure you all lowered the volume on your car oh, radio. Gee, I, I'm so sorry for destroying your ears, but Jesus but, Christ. But no, it is it is irritating because, you know, I get that, that Trump is, is, the le is the least desirable candidate that there's ever been in the history of the world because of who he is and, and the type of person that he is. Mm -hmm. But the last four years, honestly, besides the fact that, yes, he is a human douchebag and says really dumb shit, 
his policies have actually done a lot of good things. You think about the bombing, we're, the country we're talking about is the bombing in Syria. I had to look it up real quick. But <laughs> Biden attacking Syria, I'm telling you right now, if you look it up, read it. There's all over the news. If you it, Real news, by the way, not nonsense. If you look at real news writers who don't have ties to any, any corporate uh, backing or any kind of uh, television backing or anything like that, and they don't do the news and just They all rely on reputation and their, 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 their actual, yeah. uh, uh, I don't know. Real, repu- yeah. real reputable sources. Yes. Um, but if you look at it, they all disagree with what he did. There was no necessity for him to bomb Syria, right? If you look at it, he did it because, I'll tell you right now why he did it. He ordered the airstrike on the same day he spoke with the king of Saudi Arabia, Iran's arch rival in the region. Biden committed the call to helping Saudi Arabia defend its territory from Iranian-aligned groups. Why? What interest do we have over there? Still oil? We're still sucking off the teat of the oil? And why the fuck is my gas $3 and fucking 90 cents when literally three months ago when Mr. Trump, and I'm calling him Mr. Trump because he saved my gas, <laughs> what, my, my gas was $3 and 9 cents. And now in fucking three months of this fucking presidency, it's $3 and 95 cents? Almost a dollar more? Why? What? What's the purpose of going over there and bombing Syria? I need somebody... You know what, fucking, no mouthpiece podcast on fucking Instagram, fucking DM me and tell me why this old douchebag has decided to take these measures. Why? Because it makes no fucking sense. I would love for somebody to fucking tell me how this serves any fucking purpose for the fucking United States of America to fucking do this when my fucking gas is $3.95 fucking cents when it was just $3.09 three months ago. Say what you want about Trump and the way he speaks on Twitter and online. But his uh, uh, dealings and his relationships with foreign leaders was actually really good. No wars, no problems, nothing really came up. Only accidental uh, airstrikes and all that shit. Yeah, sure, accidental. But whatever. But like, you know. Yeah, and the, no- airstrike, the airstrike that they did have, um, it was actually to take down a well-known terrorist. Yes. And even though he was a government official of the country, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. he did have terrorist ties. And that's yeah. a fact. So while, yeah, he did do that, he did it with reason. And, I, I wasn't and was, talking about him. I was talking about the the one one of the countries that accidentally bombed one of our sh- uh, planes oh, that yeah, they thought yeah. was uh, uh, yeah. yeah, but whatever. Oh, but, it had Americans. It was a Ukrainian ship or uh, yeah, airplane, yeah. Or whatever. But yeah, but yeah, say what you want about him, but his dealings overseas and in foreign relations were very good, very well well uh, uh, taken care of. Um, didn't have any. We were worried about uh, a war with North Korea before he came in, and he came in. He's like, "There's not going to really be a problem. We're just going to be chilling." We're yeah, just Kim Jong Un. I'm going to meet him. Yeah, we're going to meet him and yeah. just have a good relationship. Which is how you react. That's how you. You don't just make a problem out of, of, especially if you're fearful of a war. You don't be aggressive and be like, "Hey, if you don't, if you don't listen to us, we got nukes too." And, and that's how you get into a. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Let's let's aim our nukes at each other and see who who shoots first, and then who what happens. Like, come on, man. You and don't do that. He, who, I don't mean to cut you off, but mm-hmm. who are we to tell a country how to run yeah. their country? We yeah. all know communism yeah. is not awesome, right? Yeah. They A lot of these countries treat their people like shit. Mm-hmm. Cool. Then their people need to fucking take arms yeah. and fucking revolt like we did back when the British were treating us like shit and we were tired of the taxation and all that stuff. 
And uh, I mean, we can keep going back to the fact that this isn't even our land. But anyway, because uh, we stole it <laughs> well, from the well, Indians the, and killed them. Well, all. the Indians were, were fucking yeah. uh, uh, rolling heads of, of babies off of hills and fuck it. Hey, but it was their land. Uh, but it was their land. But they also we had a deal that you know, hey, we we own this land for now, right? This is this is our land, and they didn't have any concept of a, of a contract. Yeah. So they're like, oh yeah, this is your land. And then they came back and they're like, why are you still here? And they started attacking <laughs> them. And they're like, oh, I guess we're in war now. So we're gonna kill all of you with diseases and fucking murder and guns. We have guns and you have tomahawks. So have, have fun. Uh, welcome to the No Muppet Social <laughs> Studies class. That's, guys, a, that's a summary of what happened. These guys are taking they, notes. They had no sense of contract. There's gonna be a pop quiz at the end of this. <laughs> they didn't understand what a contract was, so it's understandable. But, but uh, who are we to tell the country how to be and how to act? Yeah. Yes, Russia, China, North Korea. Listen, it's terrible what they do to their people, what they do to their media. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's their fucking problem. If their people really wanted to do something about it, yeah, it wouldn't happen overnight. Yeah, a lot of people are going to die. Yeah, it's going to take years, but they can revolt and they can set a new standard. That's how you do it. But they don't want to or they're too scared to. And that's their problem. It's not our problem to come in and do anything about it. And that's better than actually having somebody come and save you. Because once you have that revolt, once you do it yourselves, you have that structure. You have that plan afterwards. It's not like if America comes in and saves you, and then afterwards we're like, all right, now it's your country, and you figure it out. Then you're like, uh, they're like, what I mean, the, that's uh, what happened uh, in Iraq. Yeah. What that's the exactly fuck do we what happened now? in Iraq. All right, we're going to vote this dude again, or, or some other, just like just like the other guy, because we don't know what to do, and we need a leader, so we just have the same shit happen. Sometimes it's better to have them do it themselves, and then have that structure, and then they take over later. Yeah. Like, you, you, we keep focusing on helping other countries. Instead of helping ourselves. Yeah. When we're we're in the bottom 30 with education and health, people are dying because they're fat and they have diabetes. And all we're worried about is pumping more food into people's gullets with nonsense. And we have so many fucking problems in America. And all we do is bomb other countries, focus on other people's problems. We, we took over Iraq. We got Saddam Hussein out of there. And we still have troops there because they can't figure out how to run their own fucking government. They were actually better off with Saddam Hussein. How fucking insane is that? Mm-hmm. We fucked that whole shit up. That's happened so many times throughout history. America needs to mind their fucking business. They're that fucking neighbor that's always sticking their fucking head out of the window and wondering what's going on in the neighborhood instead of fucking worrying about what's going on in their home because their kid's in the fucking in, in their room fucking pumping up drugs while they're sticking their head out the window wondering what the neighbor's doing. Fuck! Cut the shit out! Pull our fucking troops back. Let's worry about ourselves. Let's get people some fucking jobs and let's fix it. But all you douchebags who keeps voting for the same fucking kind of politician just because it feels all warm and nice inside, this is the fucking reason we're in this situation. So cut the shit out. Wake the fuck up. Do some fucking research and try to learn and understand why the fuck things are the way they are. Now, with that being said, I'm going to go drink some beer. It's going to be the end of this episode. I know we went on a few rants there. But I think the purpose that me and my brother want to create is enough with the black and white bullshit. Enough with the blue and red bullshit, right? It shouldn't be about color. It shouldn't be about parties or anything like that. Do the research. Educate yourselves. If you guys want real change to to what's happening, pay attention. Do research. Read different websites, not just Facebook, not just YouTube. Listen to multiple people. Listen to both sides. Educate yourselves because that's how real change is going to happen. I'm telling you right now, me and my brother predicted exactly what's happening, and it's going exactly the way we thought it was going to go. Once Biden was voted into office, cut the shit. This is our lives that we're talking about. This is our future that we're talking about. And if we keep putting the same people 
every single time, every single year, every single four years, we're going to keep suffering through this nonsense. So do the fucking research, educate yourselves, and let's get the country going where it needs to be. Have a good night, everybody. Make America great again.